This is Dr. Charles Parker, and you're listening to Core Brain Journal. It's the place where I connect both fresh discoveries and interesting different perspectives from advanced mind science with the realities of real people and everyday life down on Main Street. Well, welcome aboard, folks. Dr. Charles Parker here one more time. We have a guest that has been here before with us who's talked about her second book. The second book that she wrote is When Food is Comfort, Nurture Yourself Mindfully. And today what we're going to do is we're going to have Julie Simon take us back to the foundation, folks, where we really get into her first book, The Emotional Eater's Repair Manual, A Practical Mind-Body-Spirit Guide for Putting an End to Overeating and Dieting. Julie, thanks so much for joining us. Look forward to talking to you, girl. Hi, Dr. Parker. Thank you for having me. It's going to be fun, folks. So here's what I want to do. I want to do a brief intro uh, on Julie in just a moment. But before we get started, I'm going to just do a word from our sponsor, the person who supports us. We're partners out there. Core Brain Journal is supported by Great Plains Laboratory. They're deep international biomedical testing leaders for improved, targeted mind science details. You know how we love the details here. As both laboratory and webinar global thought leaders, they train the world. They provide the most comprehensive set of hard data measurement tools for real biomedical answers beyond guesswork. We use them all the time at Core Psych, and we just think they're great. They get the material back, and it's readable and translatable for patients. They also provide multiple training webinars for both the public and, importantly, medical providers on how to use that data effectively. Check out their website for references and testing details and more material on the webinars. And notice this, you can go over there and register for a complimentary test drawing. One of their internationally esteemed tests from, it could be organic acid testing, the oats. It could be IgG testing. They have, every week they're putting up a new test over at this site right here, and you can go register for it. GreatPlainsLaboratory.com, all one word, forward slash CBJ for Core Brain Journal. So it sounds like fun. So let's get on this interesting conversation with Julie. Now, let's go back to where we started. Julie is the author of, and we talked about when food is comfort, nurture yourself mindfully. Now, her previous interview with us here at Core Brain Journal will be there in the show notes on this particular show. The one we're talking about here is the Emotional Eater's Repair Manual. And really what's going on with this, you're going to talk to us in great detail about mind, body, spirit, and how that works with actually recovering and beginning the recovery process and really then working the recovery process with overeating. And I was talking to her before we started, actually, as I'm preparing to interview her, I was thinking about how relevant this conversation is going to be for you wherever you are. It is really a way to start thinking about whatever your problem is. This is a mindful way to rethink and get squared away. Indeed, start the rewiring process on your brain. So Julie is a licensed psychotherapist and life coach with 27 plus years of experience helping overeaters and imbalanced eaters stop their regular dieting, heal their relationships with themselves, and heal the relationships with their bodies as well lose weight, and keep it off. She's a lifelong fitness enthusiast. She has also been a certified personal trainer with over 25 years of experience designing 
exercise modules and nutrition programs for various populations at every walk of life. Julie Simon is also the founder and director of the popular Los Angeles-based 12-week emotional eating recovery program, which offers an alternative to dieting by addressing the mind, body, spirit imbalances underlying overeating. That's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Her professional experience and with her personal journey through childhood trauma, weight challenges, and body, brain, and spiritual imbalances, she's been there herself, led to the creation of this 12-week program, which she has been running. Get this, folks. We said it before. Say it again. She's been running this program for 25 years. Do you think she's had a couple of interesting experiences? Let's hear about it. So for more information, you can visit her online at overeatingrecovery.com. More about that later. So, Julie, let's get started with this foundational book, if we could, because I think what, what I was thinking about as I was preparing to discuss this with you, there are so many practical points, and I think we should sort of start at the beginning. Just a brief narrative, if you will, about how you got into it, what your background was. But I think the real deal for us in this time we have together is, how does it work? What can they get from this book? What can they get from this program? So let's start with your narrative about how you got into it a little bit. Well, I think, you know, just quickly before I go into my story, I want to say that overeating may seem like a simple app, but in fact, it's actually a complex behavior. And its resolution requires a comprehensive, multidimensional approach. And so my journey is really what helped me understand how complex the behavior was because I struggled with my weight when I was in my late teens and 20s. And just like everyone else at that time, I just started going on a diet and counting calories and carbohydrates and fat grams and weighing and measuring my body and weighing and measuring my food and over-exercising. And it just seemed crazy to me. It didn't seem intuitive at the time, you know, that this is how some people had to manage their weight, you know, with this, these intensive regimens. And in fact, I noticed what would happen is that I would be lowering my calories and lowering my calories and my body would plateau. And I would lose any weight. And people I would talk to would say, you must be cheating. And I'd say, I'm not cheating. And they'd say, well, then cut the calories lower or exercise more. And I always knew there was something so wrong with the equation. And yeah. ultimately, it was leading to binge eating for me because I was constantly restricting myself and constantly restricting yourself often leads you know, to this swinging the pendulum the other way and binging. And so very early in my life, late teens, early 20s, I was on a quest to figure out what is going on with this overeating, weight, this whole situation. What causes it? What are the basic causes of it? How do we resolve it? Why is it that our ancestors didn't have this problem? Why is it that animals in the wild don't have this problem? Why is it other cultures don't seem to have this problem like America? So I was on a quest, and over time I pulled together all the pieces of the overeating, weight gain, dieting puzzle. And then I knew that I really wanted to teach others the pieces of the puzzle. Well, thank you for that great introduction, because that's really what we're about here at Core Brain Journal, to tell you the truth. I mean, you, you knew that already, but I think it's really important for our listeners to be reminded of the fact that this very theme of complexity and really details is really the theme of what we've been talking about. That's why it's so interesting to talk to Julie, because even as she was talking about the dieting experience, what was going on for you back when you were 20 years old or whatever is what's going on so much in the country today. 
And it goes on in psychiatry with psychiatric medications. It goes on with, it's, it's a robotic approach. We're going to do the robotic thing. We're just going to keep repeating it until with addiction medicine, you see this happen all the time, recovery. And they just keep saying the same aphorisms over and over again. They don't want to go and look at the complexity of the human being because it's like, just get the aphorisms. It works if you work it. And you've heard that many, many times. But I think what's really cool and what we're going to be talking about tonight is the complexity. And it really, in a way, isn't that complicated if you just take a different dimensional look at it. All you have to do is get out of the robotic box that you're living in, get out of lockstep, bump, 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 marching in the parade, and figure out what the entire circumstance and the context is of it not working. So that's what we're talking about. Thanks, Julie. I appreciate it. So then tell us a little bit about yourself. And, and I think that interesting intro that you had before, because you had some serious problems yourself coming into it that you then had to really come back and look more carefully at as part of your recovery process. Instead of, I'm a young woman, I got a weight problem, I've got an eating problem, and I just got to keep putting one foot in front of you. You said, hey, I got to go deeper than this. Yes, I did. I felt that I had to go deeper. And I intuitively felt that there were some psychological issues that I needed to address. I didn't, at that point in time, I didn't really understand all the, the body imbalance that was going on because, and this is how I break down the, the first book, the Emotional Eaters Repair Manual, is we talk about when you might be missing. The part two is when overeating is driven by body imbalance because not all overeating is based on emotion by spiritual imbalance. And so what I first started with a long time ago, because I didn't know really much about any of this, I just knew that something was going on. I went to a therapist and I mm -hmm. said, you know, I think that I'm fat, but I know that I'm not. And I have this awful relationship with food and my body and I need some help. And I actually didn't get very much help from that particular therapist. I don't think she was very good. She was very dismissive. She said, well, you're not fat, so don't worry about it. <laughs> and I said, but there's something deeper going on. I ultimately found another therapist. And the funny thing about the therapist that really helped me was that she was significantly overweight. <laughs> she didn't have the overweight piece yeah. figured out herself, but she was very, very good at helping me understand the deeper emotional issues that I needed to address that were actually leading me turn to food. So some of the issues, for example, were that I did not know how to address my emotions. I didn't know how to regulate my emotions. I didn't know how to regulate my moods. I didn't know how to address self-defeating critical thoughts that I had about myself. I didn't know how to cope with stress. I didn't know how to soothe myself and comfort myself. So I was missing a lot of self-care skills that are generally learned in childhood. Now, we broke up there, folks, a little bit as she was, I didn't want to interrupt her and have her repeat it, but, you know, the real essence of the book, and, you know, I haven't read the book, quite honestly, I'm looking forward to reading it, but what Julie was talking about there when she broke up a little bit is there are three sections in the book. One is overeating as it's related to the emotional. She really takes mind, body, spirit, and breaks them down in an effective therapy way, and, you know, we talk about mind, body, spirit all the time. But what I think is really cool about what she's doing here is let's get a utilitarian view of this and put it into an application as opposed to just saying mind, body, spirit, mind, body, spirit, mind, body, spirit. Let's really look at what it does. And she's and the whole emotional healing part of it, overeating as it relates to the emotional is the mind. 
then uh, the self-care associated with the body, and then the spiritual part, she's going to talk to us tonight about a spiritual dimension that actually comes up in the recovery process. And anybody that's been even remotely close to recovery knows there's a transcendent message you have to get out of yourself to get beyond yourself. You can't be in yourself, and spirituality does facilitate that transformational activity. So go ahead and talk a little bit about that. Start wherever you'd like to, Julie. I probably would start with, um, because I think what most emotional eaters are struggling with is that when they're under stress, when they're having difficult situations, they disconnect from themselves. That really is the core of any of these kind of addictive patterns. So it doesn't have to be food. It could be that you're turning to cigarettes. It could be that you're drinking too much. At the core of these maladaptive maladaptive behavior. behavior. Yeah. So mm-hmm. this, yeah, the books that I write could be don't you don't have to be an emotional eater. You could be someone who's struggling with alcohol. Mm-hmm. You could be someone who's struggling with gambling, overspending. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is when you're turning to these wayward behaviors, it's because you do not know how to regulate your emotions. You're feeling something. You're stressed out. You're unhappy. You're lonely. You're hurt. And you don't know how to address those emotions. And so you're disconnecting from them. You're disconnecting from an inner world that's uncomfortable and you're numbing yourself out. And the problem with that behavior is that it doesn't build any skill, right? And it Mm -hmm. never resolves the problem. And the behaviors lead to health challenges. And then you're down the wrong path. Ouch. Then you're down the wrong path. So you need to learn skills. And that's what my books and that's what my 12-week program is all about, teaching you the missing skills. Well, let's break these down a little bit while we're here. And I think one of the things to do, as you were just talking to me even before we got started, a little bit about identifying some of the key emotional variables that are directly related with any addiction, but in this case, overeating. How can a person identify some of those kinds of things like, oh, that's what that is? Well, I think, and that's what I break down in the book. I think I have little, very simple little skills in the book for people to start working with. One little skill is called an inner conversation. So anytime you want to eat and you're not hungry, or you want to overeat, you want to eat beyond full, okay? or you find that you want to select unhealthy comfort foods more often than you would really prefer, just stop, take a pause, right? Pull away from the food and ask yourself what is going on inside. And if you don't know, if you say, you know, there's just a storm of stuff going on inside, I don't know what I'm feeling and I don't want to feel it, that's the crux of the problem right there. So we need to get take a little patience with ourselves, take a 10-minute pause, Take a piece of paper and see if you can get in touch with what you actually are feeling. Now, research shows that just the act of writing down what you're feeling is already going to regulate your nervous system. It's already going to help you stop this behavior. And this is all about what I teach is skills, very basic struggling and and it's not working it's just because you're not practicing you have to practice the skills if you want to learn the guitar you want to get good at the guitar you've got to practice if you want to learn to speak spanish you've got to practice if you want to learn how to read 
your inner world and regulate your emotions and your behaviors, your impulsive behaviors like overeating, you've got to practice new skills. And one of the big ones, as you just said, is the identification skill. What is going on here? What is happening? I just noticed I've had this urge. And previously what I've done is I've just gone right through it and gone ahead and packed it in. But now I'm going to say, where is this coming from? And ask myself that simple question and kind of maybe even write it down and say, what was going on in my head? What am I troubled by this afternoon? What's under my skin that's causing me to just feel like going completely off the path? And, you know, by doing that, you're going to find out other things. Like, for example, sometimes people will say, you know, I was at work and I was grabbing the chips and I know that I wasn't hungry at all. And I was very angry at a client that I had just seen or I was angry at a coworker. Right. So sometimes it really there is no hunger there. It's not biochemical. It really is something emotional. And you need to learn how to deal with those situations without turning to substances. Right. Other times you're going to identify, let's say it's after dinner and you start to notice that almost every evening after dinner you have intense sugar craving. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now that may have no emotional component to it. It might, it might be that your life feels empty and you want more excitement, but it also might be that your eating is imbalanced and that perhaps maybe you're not getting enough carbohydrate. Maybe you're not having enough simple diet for your particular chemistry. And so your body's kicking up sugar cravings every night. That doesn't mean we have to eat ice cream. It might mean we, we just need a dish of blueberries. But <laughs> when we learn how to read our signals, our body signals, our mind signals like emotions and thoughts, we can get much better at taking care of these phenomenal machines that we've been given. So, so, so true. You know, I was thinking about yeah, that whole thing because so often – a person, and we do this all as human beings, and thank goodness you took the time to really investigate yourself and, and think about codifying this and putting it into some kind of order. But I think all of us who have perhaps not been in therapy, like, uh, you know, you can't get into to psychoanalytic training without doing psychoanalysis. You know, it doesn't happen. And when you actually get into self-reflection and you start taking a deeper look at what's going on, at first, it's intimidating because you think this is way over my head. I have no, can't make any sense out of this whatsoever. But the biggest key, and you said it a couple times here, is just hooking your mind up with what has really happened. If you just start with reality, what has happened in the last 10 minutes? What's happened in the last half hour? What's happened today that's different than yesterday? And just hooking that piece of, re- of reality up and saying to yourself, Yeah, darn it. I am having a reaction to that. And that is relevant to a very serious, I don't care, whatever. I'm mad. I'm sad. I'm unhappy. I'm empty, whatever. That emotional reaction is feeding a situation. Exactly. And then you can kind of learn when you take note of that, when you notice that you're having this reaction, you might also notice that you just don't know how to calm yourself down. That, you know, from, you know, zero to 10 in terms of anger, you know, in half a second flat, that you have no skill for relaxing yourself, calming your down, yourself down. Maybe you don't have any skill for reflecting on the situation and seeing your part in it. So, you know, there are lots of skills that we're going to want to learn in terms of regulating our moods. 
and that's what you know this book is about. And another example would be, you know, when you're having negative self-defeating thoughts, you're having critical, judgmental thoughts. If you let those just flow and keep going, there's a good chance that you'll end up in the ice cream carton, you know, at the end of that. <laughs> you just got feel so bad. It's an ice cream band-aid. Absolutely. <laughs> You've hammered yourself and you banged yourself, your metaphoric thumb with a hammer repeatedly. You know, you might as well take something, some kind of salve, and ice cream is the salve. Right, so, and if you, if you don't have to turn that kind of thinking around and to go from maybe feeling hopeless to having hope, then you don't have much alternative except to find some way to numb yourself out. So true. But you know, I'm just looking at our time. We've been enjoying this conversation so much, and I am, I'm thinking about a couple things that I'm going to ask you. We're going to take a quick break right now, and I'm going to ask you a, a couple things, and I'll remember them because I just know where we are. I don't want to overwhelm you with too many questions. But the when we come back from this break, we want to hear about the other two important things, and I really want to hear you talk about the body part of it, really what happens with how body balancing is part of your recovery process, and we'll talk a little bit about spirituality because we could talk about spirituality for a whole another hour nonstop without a doubt. And then the other thing I'm going to ask you about before we wind up is a couple of examples so listeners can hear what some of the impediments are that they feel that have been some of the difficulties that you've seen with individuals that you've worked with that say, oh my gosh, this is a surprise and this is really a, a difficulty that we find pretty commonplace in our efforts to help somebody get in the recovery process. So those are the questions. I'll remember them. I know I ask you a whole bunch of stuff all at one time. <laughs> we'll come back in just a moment, folks. Today, the world of mind science, psychiatry, and mental health is rapidly changing with innovative, comprehensive testing that takes both patients and practitioners into a new world of measured details with useful, understandable, and remarkably actionable plans. The key phrase here is cost-effective. Testing also introduces a key parallel word, predictability. Psychiatric treatment failure, especially after multiple medications and our brief hospitalizations, arises directly from the complexity of measurable brain-body imbalances and impediments that explicitly interfere with medical outcomes and create costly difficulties with inadequately informed supplement and medication trials over time. Great Plains provides a leadership team of biomedical experts with advanced laboratory insights approved nationally both by the FDA and CLIA laboratory certifications and is available internationally for both public and medical professionals. Great Plains Laboratory is the primary laboratory we've used at CoreSite for years with excellent customer service for both patients and medical colleagues. They are on the spot, they get it every time. In addition, they provide exemplary training modules, which are webinars and conferences, in an effort to broaden practice perspectives wherever you live. Do follow up on one of these complimentary test offers today at http greatplainslaboratory.com forward slash CBJ. Yeah, that's Core Brain Journal CBJ. Well, Julie, I'm sorry to ask you so many questions at one time. Here we are back again, folks. And we want to start with the other two subsections. And really, her book is comprehensive. So 
we're not going to be able to cover the whole book, but I think if we could just get a couple of hints about the body markers, because we still see so much in our practice with body markers that are realistic, that interfere with the recovery process, and maybe a couple of remarks about spirituality and transcendence. And then the other thing I you know, do want to uh, ask you about are impediments on the road, if you just have a couple ideas about impediments that have happened. So let's, let's start with key markers, pardon me, that really things you've seen that are important to people just don't get that are body markers. Uh, yeah. I mean, when people come to see me often, you know, they'll say, oh, I'm sure I'm an emotional eater and, you know, I'm, I have all these issues and challenges. And I often say to them, well, I want to kind of do a very thorough intake and talk about other things even besides emotion, like how your body's functioning. So I'm looking, when I'm doing that, I'm looking at whether the person has any hormonal imbalances, okay, because hormonal imbalances can lead to overeating, they can lead to fatigue, exhaustion, overeating. So I'm looking at things like insulin, sex hormones, adrenal glands, thyroid, we need to know how the body's functioning. And usually I'll ask somebody to get some blood work on some of that. And, you know, especially if I think, let's say they're having PMS, some women come to me and they're eat, they're binging like crazy two weeks before their period. So we have to look at hormonal imbalance. Then I want to look at brain chemistry imbalance. You know, is the person suffering from more brain chemicals? Do they have a mood disorder? All of this will affect our attraction to certain foods because foods are chemicals. You know, they turn into a brain, they increase or alter our brain chemistry. So we're going to look at um, brain chemistry. We're going to look at hormones. We're, I'm also going to try and see whether you have food allergies or food sensitivities because you can be very addicted to foods that you're allergic to because they release powerful, pleasing brain chemicals when you eat them. Even though we think of allergy, we think of rashes and hives. I mean, sometimes foods we eat give us a feel good and that's an allergic reaction. So we're going to look at allergies and sensitivities. I also want to know about how much you're moving your body because exercise is important, critical. And it doesn't mean you have to be at the gym lifting heavy weights or you have to run marathons, but we were built to move. And so if you're sedentary all the time, that's going to be a problem. And then the last area body balance is that I want to know if you're getting restorative sleep. I want to know if you're sleeping to satiation. So our bodies were designed to eat to satiation I also want to, I left off, I also want to know what you're eating. I want to know what your nutrition is. Are basic. you eating a basic thing? Yeah, I forgot. No. I want to know if you're eating nutrient-dense food. Right. You know? And are you eating a lot of fiber? Because our body signals are wired to turn on and turn off hunger. Use turn off our appetite when we eat a high volume of fibrous food. That's how the body works. So we're wired to eat to satiation. We're wired to eat a lot of volume of high fiber food, eat to satiation. We're wired to sleep to satiation. So I'm going to want to find out, are you eating to satiation of the right kind of foods? Are you getting good restorative sleep every night? So that's the gamut on body balance. Well, and I just interrupt for a second and say, folks, when you think about it, Emotional resources are ones that get skipped over pretty easily because people do deny the significance of their emotional life. That happens all the time. It's like, it's the typical guy thing. Hey, I can handle it. Women do the same thing. I can handle it. And they deny the significance and the destructive significance 
of emotional reactions. And really, one of the reasons they do is they don't know what to do with them. So Julie's talking about that. The thing is reassuring about the body parts. Everything that she was talking about there, almost every single piece of that complexity, and remember, we're talking about complexity, not robotic responses, that complexity is all measurable. You know, she said, get the lab testing. Find out if you have any allergies. Get the IgG testing. Milk is the big one. And there's plenty of scientific evidence that milk itself can be addictive. It has an actual opiate relationship. We got a number of articles on that over at Core Psych over the years, and, and there are plenty of authorities. And you take um, Alessio Faisano at Harvard, who does the, the celiac research team at Harvard. Gluten can throw your mind off completely. And, of course, gluten is tied up very frequently with carbohydrates. So all those are measurable is the key point. So I just want to throw that in real quickly because you were saying that. And I think when listeners are thinking about that, well, how do you measure it? Well, we have a number of places where people could measure it. They want to go to corepsych.com forward slash tests. This isn't me selling my practice. This is me giving you a bunch of videos, corepsych.com forward slash T-E-S-T-S, a bunch of videos on testing modalities for all these things that we're talking about right here. I mean, why not test and figure out what's going on? So now let's talk a little bit about spirituality, Julie. Sorry to rush you along a little bit because I love this conversation, but let's, how does a person introduce, how do you personally come in and then take the steps? Because so many people, just as they deny emotional life, they deny the biology. I mean, spirituality is further out in the stratosphere. So how do you handle that? What do you recommend? Well, I talk about your spiritual imbalance with people, I always let them know that I'm not talking about religion here. Key point. I'm, I'm not asking you what religion you're practicing. Mm-hmm. Really what I'm asking you, really what I'm talking about is what I call soul care, is how do you take care of your soul and whatever that means to you. But I ask them if they are what I call spiritually depleted. So that might mean your life doesn't feel like it has enough purpose and meaning and passion you don't feel like you have enough nourishing connections you don't know how to quiet your mind perhaps you don't feel a connection to a higher sense of yourself a a wise kind loving part of yourself maybe you'd like to have a connection to something greater than yourself where that is some kind of a transcendent experience so we talk about different things that you can do The, the first Skill that I practice, soul care practice that I teach in the book, is quieting your mind, learning how to pull away from this busy, hectic, modern world that we're in, and learning how to get quiet. Because in terms of spiritual replenishment and spiritual fulfillment, the first step is we've got to clear out some of the clutter. So we've got to get the monkey mind quiet. We have to learn how to quiet our mind a little bit. The second skill is called practicing letting go. I ask people to look at attachments they have in their lives to things that are not working for them. So attachments that create a balance. That could be an attachment to money. It could be an attachment to an unhealthy relationship. It could be an attachment to your ego and having lots of attention and fame. It could be an attachment to being codependent, caretaking people, attachment to judging everyone and gossiping all the time. What are you attached to? What attachments do you have that don't serve you, right? And people will, very. I have lists in the book of different areas, things that you might be attached to. 
And people know their areas of imbalance. I mean, people say, oh, yeah, that's one, that's one. You know, they'll, they'll check them off the list and learn how to begin to address those attachments because it's all about control. You know, we're attached to these things because we're trying too hard to control our lives. And that imbalances us further. So we take a look at that. We take a look at how to bring more purpose and passion and meaning into our lives. We take a look at how to bring nourishing connections into our lives. Sometimes we have patterns that don't work for us. For example, we may be attracting emotionally unavailable people into mm -hmm. our lives mm -hmm. and, and we keep attracting those same types over and over and so we don't feel nourished by them. And then the last soul care practice I teach, which, which helps you, again, connect to yourself on a deeper level, is to practice gratitude. And I teach people different ways to practice gratitude daily because it really connects you first to your own heart and then to everything else and everyone else. Yeah, one of the things they always said in recovery is you got to have an attitude of gratitude. And if you don't have right. an attitude of gratitude, you're not working the program. You're and, not working and the I, program. The other thing that was occurring to me while you were saying it, just from a, a kind of, if you'll forgive me, psychiatric mental health point of view, is the relative addiction that comes from not knowing who you are as a person and chasing your identity with these other modalities, people, places, and things. So if I have that car, I will be whole. If I have that job and I can just retain that job, or if I can just get a corner office, then I will be okay, you know? And all these things are metaphoric representations of really not knowing who you are. And really, we see that happen so often in, in individuals on the worst case scenario who are narcissistic. They're completely disconnected and they don't care what they do because they're demanding certain gratifications from the world and they really don't care who they chew up and spit out because they are so doggone empty, they're going to chew you up and spit you out because you are a powerful person to them in some way and if they can annihilate you, it does make them feel better because they have bested you, they've used you, they've taken advantage of you that makes them feel more whole because they don't feel whole in the first place. And they, they tend to be much more destructive about it. Those of us who are not so narcissistically inclined do find other levels of gratification in jobs and, uh, you know, various things, the house, but as, as Julie was saying, and try to put those big band-aids on us. And really, so food is one of the metaphoric band-aids. And if you then, as Julie was saying, love yourself. If you then begin to forgive yourself and take your own life seriously in terms of managing your own self from an emotional, from a biophysical, if you will, and from a spiritual point of view where you can actually transcend the moment and see where you're actually going in your life, have your own internal goals and ambitions begin to be realized in terms of fulfilling and giving to others. Really, when you are giving to others, you're going to be feeling so much better because you're doing the mission of actually what Julie was saying just a moment ago, connecting with the reality of other human beings. You know Sorry, what I, I think is, long. no, that's okay. You know what I think is so important in what you were saying is it made me think about, I've had people come in and they've said, it's a way because I want to clients that I've worked with who have come in and they've said, you know, when I often ask people, what do they feel there's not enough of in their lives, oh, yeah. right? So mm -hmm. they're trying to fill something up with food. And so people will say, and this is to your point that you just made, well, you know, I want to find a partner, okay? And then after they find the 
partner, then they say, well, I want to get married. You know, if we would just get married, things would be great. Then I would be happy. Okay, then they have the kid. Well, if we had a bigger house, I think I'd be happier if we had the bigger house. And if we had one more kid, I'm unfortunate to kind of play this out in our life. You know, we need to get all the things or keep after, keep trying to get all the things that we think are going to satisfy us only to find that that true joy and true peace and true happiness, which is what we're all after, doesn't reside in persons, places, or things. It's an inside job it's in mind that always has been there that you just need to access. And so sometimes we have to go down the road thinking, yeah, well, but I'm going to get that boyfriend. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have a kid. I'm going to that only to find out that that doesn't fill any of that up. Yeah, it's sort of and like some that. of us can get to that wisdom sooner. I think pain yeah. drives you in that direction. You know, basically, what's the pain? The pain is I'm gaining weight. The pain is this is not working in the satisfying way that I thought it would because I was looking to that other person to make me feel whole, and now I realize that person can't. I've got to do something else with myself. There's pain in that recognition. And then hopefully the exactly drives you back to this deeper understanding. Now, all this sounds pretty complex, folks. And I'm looking at the time here. And unfortunately, we do have to wind up. I've so much enjoyed this conversation, Julie. And we're going to skip that last question for another time, Julie. We're going to talk about it. And that is, you know, issues that come up when you've had difficulties with people. And what would be the areas that you think are the most important that people find, whether it's the denial, where they miss the pain, when they don't actually work the program, where they fall off the train, when they don't get on the train in the first place. Those are questions that we won't be able to answer today. So, But you know what? I can sum all that up in really one word. Oh, please. Practice. There's a good, right. I can sum it all up in one word. If you practice those skills, and you practice them, again, I want to use the, the guitar metaphor, you practice it even when it's not pleasurable, and even when it hasn't, it's not bearing fruit yet. The bottom line is you learn from someone like me, you learn from my books, you learn the skills that you're missing, and you practice them until they bear fruit. And where people get into trouble is they don't practice. That's it. Excellent, excellent <laughs> point. Excellent, excellent point. Now, let's close with you're talking about the book and then your website and all this is going to be on the show note, folks. So if you're driving the car, do not worry. We'll have Julie Simon's information in the two episodes that we've interviewed her because she's really talking about recovery in a very broad perspective. And who doesn't really need to really think that whole food thing out? Most of us are struggling with that on one level or another. So Julie, tell us where we can go so we can connect with you, please. So you can go to my website, overeatingrecovery.com, and there you can get download two free chapters to either of the book, Emotional Eaters Repair Manual and When Food is Comfort. And if you want to uh, work with me, no matter where you are in the country or the world, I have a week emotional eating recovery program, and you can uh, sign up on the website for that and um, join me for a deep dive for 12 weeks. That sounds like fun. It'd be great. It would, be, it would definitely be fun to work with you. I like your attitude. You have a great attitude. You have a very refreshing, authentic, let's get it done attitude, which is really very becoming, no question about it. Thank you. So all those connections will be over on the website, folks, at Core Brain Journal, and they'll be at her website. So, Julie, once again, I want to thank you for coming on this second time. I'm so pleased that we had a chance to get into your first book, 
because it does take us into a real introduction to your second book as well. That whole complexity of the two books together is, it's really been a very interesting conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you again for having me. My pleasure. All right, guys, we're signing off. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Core Brain Journal. We're working every day behind the scenes to bring you reports that connect research benches with those street trenches. Here we share the complexity of mind science because as you know, details really do matter. One of the most pervasive misunderstood challenges is how commonplace medications like those written for ADHD are used so regularly without clear guidelines. If you think you'd like more specifics, take a minute to download my two-page PDF packed with video links and references on the absolute essentials of how to start ADHD medications. They're easily available at corebrainjournal.com forward slash start. Thanks for listening. Do connect and stay tuned. Together we can make a difference.